the expression is you don't want to try to catch a falling knife. If it's still dropping, we want to make sure we're not buying then. But at the same time, at a certain point, that knife does land on the floor. So I'm in limbo a little bit, but we're still marketing. We're still making offers. We're being extra conservative in those offers. Welcome to the Good Stewards Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to seasoned real estate investors who want to maximize the cash flow potential in their business. We are buy and hold investors with a thousand plus properties and markets across the U.S. who bring an insider's view into the nitty gritty details of real estate investing. If you're looking to develop the mindset, teams, and systems that can dramatically build your real estate business and net worth, you're in the right place. Welcome to this episode of the Good Stewards Podcast. I'm Ryan Dossey. I'm Amanda Perkins. I'm Bill Sirius. And I'm Andrew Sirius. Hello, Good Stewards. We are in a pretty pivotal time for business, markets, and honestly, even kind of the day-to-day American life right now. While we don't know the future, we're definitely in a time to kind of just assess what's going on and what's changing. So first off, we're going to talk about how to main perspective and how we think the coronavirus is going to affect our day-to-day lives as real estate investors. But before we dive in, be sure to visit us at thegoodstewards.com to subscribe to the podcast. And of course, make sure you snag the free copy of our ebook. If you haven't checked that thing out, it's like the most detailed ebook you will ever get for free. Um, I actually have given Bill some grief for not selling it. So make sure you snag that before I change his mind. Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right in. I'm kind of speaking here out of... uh, not experience, because like a lot of our listeners, uh, I got in the market when the getting was good, <laughs> right? So um, I I have not gone through recessions as a real estate investor. So um, for people that this is new to, it's scary to, I empathize with you, I'm right there with you. And uh, our, our goal with this episode is just to really show you kind of the pivots that we're making. Um, you know, I kind of described this to my wife, if you've ever been in the ocean and kind of got swept over by a big wave, uh, you know, at some point the tumbling is going to stop, you're going to end up on the beach and the sun is still shining. It's just figuring out what we do while we're tumbling. Dad, you went through the Spanish flu, right? Can you give us a few? <laughs> yeah. Was it, was it the black death? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, World War One. I. I was uh, I was right there in the big one. <laughs> the who great, all was the great who all was there with you at the signing of the Declaration of Independence? <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. Wow. Uh, now I do have something to feel anxiety about. Uh, anytime my in laws are in town, I'll be like, "Wow, that person's old," and they're like, "They're like our age." Like, oh, <laughs> foot in mouth. Um, so first things first is going to be to really keep your emotions in check. Um, we talked about this a little bit on the previous episode, Amanda kind of spearheaded that point of just not making rash panic, fear-based decisions and really kind of making sure you have some margin in there, um, in kind of your own, in your own mind, right? So if you are looking for things to be afraid of, you're going to find them. If you're looking for opportunity, you're going to find them. If you're looking for hope, you can find it, right? So I think this is really one of those disciplined things. And I'm I'm speaking more for, I think, myself than anyone here of, you know, 
maybe you shouldn't be on social media constantly right now. Um, you know, maybe you shouldn't constantly be calling family members so you can just like get each other worked up and then, you know, call them back 20 minutes later because you found something else new and terrible. Right. So I think it's really just making sure you have kind of the self-control, but you're also kind of building in that margin and, you know, operating off of facts, not fear. Right. So, you know, my, my feelings are like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. The facts are people are still buying properties. People are still selling properties. We've actually seen an influx in calls. And, and we're going to talk a little bit later in this about kind of some things to do to, you know, keep yourself and staff safe and all of that. But, um, you know, I think it was Bill who originally told me this of, uh, you know, hardship does not discriminate based off of socioeconomic status or what your assets look like, right? Rich people get divorced. Uh, big companies go under, you know, just because it's a high-end property doesn't mean um, there's not issues with it. In, in the same way, just because the coronavirus is going on doesn't mean people aren't moving for work. Doesn't mean babies aren't being born. Doesn't mean people aren't retiring, right? So, um, you know, people are still going to keep on living. And I think as a business, you really do just have to look at the facts on a, you know, daily, weekly, monthly basis. It's easy to sit here and be like, oh my gosh, nobody's going to pay me rent. Well, let's wait and see, <laughs> right? Like, you know, that's not going to benefit you or anyone well, right. to I mean, live in that space. Specifically, if you're listening, if you are out there listening to what everyone's saying, companies are being really understanding right now and saying like, we're going to pay you. We're going to figure out a way to work at home. We're going to do this. The government is making sick leave option, uh, you know, pay. Obviously that's not going to just hit your bank account immediately, but people are verbalizing that. So when you're, you know, when you're seeking out your information, make sure you're also looking for the good information that's out there too. I, I Googled uh, coronavirus good news the other day. Cause you know, I think all of us could use a little bit of good news. Right. And it was funny. One of the things that popped up was some basketball player got diagnosed with coronavirus. I was like, well, I guess people just Kevin don't like Graham. him. If that's, if that's good news, <laughs> like, oh, Kevin's sick. Um, so no symptoms, cool. but has coronavirus. Right. Yeah. I think that's you should know, knowing yourself in this kind of circumstance, uh, and when we went through the Great Recession, 2007, 2008, what I noticed about myself, I really am not a stock guy, I, I, I guess, fortunately right now, but I, I changed my websites that I was looking at and CNBC.com became huge because I, I, I was watching the stock market go down during that period of time. And I just kind of filled myself with negative stories. And this time I'm trying to stay off of that website, although I have it up on my computer right now. <laughs> so, you, you, but I kind of know that about myself from the past. Like this is, this is not, I do not want to fill my mind with ne more negative stories. There's plenty to go around out there. I, I want to be careful because what goes in really affects you. And uh, if I was to say anything, you should be out of doors you should be taking walks. You should be uh, doing your meditation or prayer on a regular basis. That tends to skip out the door as well because you, you think you got to get up 
fired up in the morning to do everything you can do to you can't work make it through way. the day. You can't. You just can't. <laughs> yeah. But what you can do is you can keep a hopeful, positive attitude. We are in this together. Amanda mentioned in the last podcast about being kind to each other. Uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, I think everybody up and down the economic scale and in every industry, if we could remember that, you might be asking your lenders, you might be quoting that to your lenders. Uh, they, uh, others might be quoting that your, your uh, residents might be quoting that to you. So, uh, you know, be careful about ruts you get into. One, one book and, and person I would, I would encourage you to uh, look up is Hal Elrod, who wrote The Miracle Morning. And uh, he, his first uh, uh, brush with absolute uh, darkness was when he got hit head on by a driver on a, on a freeway. And he had a, you know, he, he died three times before he was resuscitated completely after he was helivacked out of that wreck. But interestingly enough, it was his second brush with death that took him down a lot further. After the first one, he had so much support, family members coming to the hospital and this and that, lots of people around him. And that really helped him get through. But the second brush with Death was a financial one when he he got his coaching business going. He got a little notoriety. People were paying him. He had a business. He had just bought a house, you know, spent money on a, a very, various things. He was out a little bit. And then the financial meltdown hit of 2007 and 2008. He lost a lot of his coaching students. Uh, there was nobody who came around him anymore like he was in a hospital bed. He, he got you know, very isolated, went into big time depression. This is worth looking YouTube up, Hal Elrod. By the way, his third brush with this is when he got a aggressive cancer that he's also been through. So think about cancer. People are dealing with cancer in this situation right now. There yeah, are I mean, my wife's grandpa uh, goes in for chemo today. Yeah. There are yeah. worse things out there than what you're going through. But regardless, uh, be, be careful not to isolate yourself or, or get into, uh, I would also throw out, you know, this is, I think a really, a really good time for us to get kind of off our screens a little bit and make sure our neighbors know that we care about them. Right. Uh, especially if you have elderly neighbors or, you know, uh, things like that. I mean, a simple note of, Hey, if you need anything, I'm here. Notes um, might be better than a visit. Yeah, <laughs> no, if you have a yeah. fever, absolutely. <laughs> don't, don't go walk up and start coughing on them. Don't go to your local nursing home right now. But I'm saying, if you have a neighbor you know of that you know is elderly and alone, you know, leaving them a hey, if you need anything, here's my phone number is huge, right? I mean, that just shows them, hey, they're not alone, even if they feel like it right now. Well, and we have, you know, with a lot of our private lenders, just because of. The, normally the people who have money to lend are people that are more of a retirement age. We've been reaching out just, you know, just so they, honestly, just so they know that we're here and, you know, we're responding to them and doing all of that. They're actually not that nervous um, because they've, you know, they've been through ups, ups and downs in the market cycle. And this is so new. It's not, you know, we're, we're a weekend, <laughs> 
you know, to things changing. And like I said, you know, people aren't out of money right now and that sort of thing. So we're, we're really new to this. And so it's just like getting through that and, you know, just even like, you know, I'll check in on them and they'll check in on me. And I'm like, if you, if you need anything that's not related to private lending, feel free to ask me, like I can drop things off at your house or do whatever. And, you know, I'm not meeting them in person. I'm mailing them paperwork, where normally like we'd meet up in person. Cause I like that face to face, but you know, I told them I've, I don't, you know, I have a small child. I have recently been out of the country and traveled in airports. It's probably best that I'm not around you because there is a certain age of people that are more susceptible. And I think, you know, and they're going to feel really isolated. So those, you know, I talked to a private lender yesterday who's just like, I'm so bored. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, well, go outside. The sun's shining. She's like, I know, but I really love my house, but I'm really tired of my house right now. Well, depression is anti-people and anti-movement. So to reverse the effects of a depression, you've got to get around people. You've got to start moving. Uh, Hal Elrod tells a story about how in his deepest moments in that financial crisis, when he didn't have anybody visiting him, he kept himself, uh, he, his house went into foreclosure, et cetera. He talked to a friend and the friend said, the thing you need to do is go outside and run. You need to go on a run. And he said, no, no, I, I've got, a, I've got a lot of things I need to take care of, but running right now is not one of them. He says, absolutely. You stop what you're doing now and go for a run. And that was the beginning of, of his new, new day of hope. And that might be what you need to do is you might need to take up running. Now for me, God, that is a, Gosh, awful thing to think about. But uh, maybe to take up jazzercise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll get my videos out, my Jane Fonda videos out. Uh, those are those are classic. For a friend uh, of mine shared something that was like, you know, day day six of quarantine. There's a girl who lives with me. It's my wife. She's actually pretty nice. <laughs> so, that's funny. All right, so let's let's go ahead and move on here a little bit. So where I'm really at, um, my. I don't know, my role in real estate investing is finding good deals and helping other people do the same. So I really think that's what we're trying to figure out and feel out is where is the new floor, right? Um, you know, I've, I've heard such wildly different opinions on how this is going to affect real estate investing from nobody's going to trust the stock market, real estate prices are going to skyrocket to, you know, well, real estate pr- prices are going to drop just like they did in 07, 08. So I think the important thing as a real estate investor is maybe pivoting your strategy a little bit. So for instance, right now, I'm not buying new rental properties. Um, I'm really not trying to buy flips. If I'm buying something, it's maybe going to be a wholesale that I'm going to be really in and out of. Ideally, I'm trying to just strictly wholesale um, to you know still run a business, right? So I think it's the expression is you don't want to try to catch a falling knife, if it's still dropping, we want to make sure we're not buying then. But at the same time, at a certain point, that knife does land on the floor. So I'm I'm in limbo a little bit, but we're still marketing. We're still making offers. We're being extra conservative in those offers. Um, we, we have active listings on the market that we've actually seen an uptick in showings in, like listings that kind of really weren't getting much that have now an uptick in traffic and interest. Um, we haven't had any wholesale buyers or any deals we've had. We haven't had anybody pull out on anything. Um, we, we did have one pull out on a deal because, because mostly because of this, but 
uh, we have not seen a, a, sh- a downtick in, in rental leasing or things like that. So good, better than they've probably ever yeah. been. And that's going to, I mean, if the banks can close those loans, that's not going to hurt the market. So. No, I mean, I have friends in lending that are like, this is the best time of their life. <laughs> like they're just, they're raking it in hand over fist. I mean, even one of, uh, one of our employees in Indianapolis, um, is refinancing his personal house. He bought a year or two ago. <clears throat> He's going from like a five and a quarter down to like a three and a quarter. Right? I pulled so, the trigger on a 3.125, like 10 days ago. And wow. then a week later, uh, they weren't making any more loans because it was too many. And I was out of four, but a 3.125 for 30 years, that's a lot of money. That saves you some money. That's awesome, and Amanda. I didn't know you did that. They that's didn't all. require an appraisal. They didn't require a, a lot of things. So, Yeah. So, I mean, again, I think this comes to running a business based off of facts, not your feelings or your fears. Um, I run a community with over 90 investors in it that are all going direct to seller. And every single day, people are sharing awesome, good, new real estate news from raising new private money to one guy um, had a house he was going to keep and move into. And the neighbor was like, hey, I'll buy it from you for $50,000 more. He was like, well, okay. You know, so um, it's it's been interesting to see like, yes, there's definitely turmoil. People aren't super comfortable. But, you know, I know hard money lenders that are still lending. They've maybe decreased their loan to value by 5%, right? But they're they're still doing business. So for us, um, in any economy, uh, I've kind of taken this from Bill, you know, uses the concept of dollar cost averaging. We're looking to buy good deals on the most accurate, up-to-date data that we have and monetize those properties any way we can. Now, right now, we're focused on obviously filling any vacancies we have with the best people we can find and then finding the best deals that we can find. And, uh, you know, I used this analogy in a previous episode, but if I have a hundred dollar bill, can I sell it to somebody for 90 bucks? What about 85? What about 80? At at a certain point it's, well, yeah, of course (laughs) I'll take that from you. Right. So, you know, I think for me, um, if I was a flipper or a buy and hold investor and, you know, maybe you're not going to wholesale, this is by no means a go out and wholesale podcast, but I think this is a now is a good time to figure out how to find your own deals, right? Um, You know, if you're a flipper, you're just going to want to get better deals than a wholesaler maybe is going to give you. If you're a buy and hold guy and you're buying for cash flow, you're just going to want to get the best deal you possibly can based off the data. And, you know, we're just kind of auditing that on a weekly basis. You know, what's selling? If you have MLS access, you can see this kind of stuff. What's going under contract? What price points are moving? What stuff isn't moving? What stuff's reducing? I think it's really, you know, looking at it. And for us, um, I think we're going to trend down market a little bit in our marketing and in our acquisition efforts of, you know, in my opinion, um, C, C and below asset classes. I think people are always going to be looking in that price point. Um, it may be a little bit harder to sell something, but you know, if you've got a deal for 25 grand that pulls in 800 a month, somebody's going to want it. I think what you said about uh, 
uh, comps essentially is you, you've got to throw out comps that aren't like a week old. Yeah, you can't go back <laughs> six months anymore. Yeah. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter what it sold for, uh, even a month ago. It doesn't really matter. So that's, what's really difficult about such a market as this is that this is a, currently a falling knife. And, uh, just like the stock market, people thought, Oh, you know, uh, we're at March. It's on 6th. sale. It's a good time to buy now. Yeah, well, <laughs> today is the 18th of March. Uh, you'll get this podcast later than that. But, uh, you know, people thought a week ago was a great time to enter back into the market. Well, they were wrong. They were trying to catch a falling knife. It is, it's tricky because you, you hate to not catch the knife at the bottom of the, of, of its uh, downward movement, but that's, you, you, you've just got to make those decisions. And the real estate market is the same way. And uh, it needs to make sense, obviously, from a cash flow point of view at this point. Yeah, nobody's, if you're buying for appreciation right now, you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I will say on the comp note, something that we're doing that's um, maybe unorthodox now, we're looking at what's pending. And when did it go pending? So if I'm in a particular zip code, I can look on the MLS of what went under contract there and even just the past few days and just reach out to those brokers. You know, hey, we're trying to understand kind of what the market's doing. I've got a property I'm looking to sell in this neighborhood. Would you mind telling me what you guys penned it at, right? That's going to give you pretty good data of what the market and what people are comfortable paying right now. Yeah, good point. Uh, the more you can talk to people who are in the business on the ground doing deals, the more you will have a sense of the market and, uh, uh, that all you can do is all you can do. And I would, I would suggest, uh, obviously suggest, uh, getting your ear to the ground. On I'd also say, uh, be persistent right now. Um, you know, everybody loves the story of like, Walt Disney was turned down 5 billion times before he got his yes. Right. Um, We've, we've had guys in our group that one lender's polled and another lender has said, oh, I'm going all in on real estate right now. Let's go, right? So you get a property under contract and your regular people don't want to buy it. Go ask some other people, right? Go find the circle of people that are still buying. Um, I, I do think it'll be a little interesting to see because I was, I was talking to somebody else I know about uh, everybody who was like, oh, I can't wait for the new crash. I'm just going to go on a buying spree. Yeah, you talk a big game. Let's see if you walk it. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, hopefully all of those guys will will put on their big boy pants and get after it. Right. So, so I, you know, like if we wanted to pivot a little bit, you know, like if you're looking to take advantage of this time in the market or, you know, do whatever, like where do you need to be to make yourself look bankable or, you know, maybe you don't have the reserves, um, you know, what, th what things can you put in place to move yourself forward in this environment? Like, would you have advice towards that? Maybe Andrew, like, what would you do if say you didn't have reserves in the bank, like, and you wanted to try to move forward at a time like this? Well, I mean, I think if you don't have reserves in the bank, uh, the first place to go is do other people, you know, have reserves like the other private lending uh, possibilities. This is going to be a hard time to find private lenders for the first time. But if you've got successful relationships um, that you've already built, I mean, there's certainly there are some people that are probably going to be scared off. We're going to want to wait and see. But that's not everybody. So it's just got to talk to them. It's probably worth getting on the phone with them and seeing where they're at. Uh, you know, be the voice of reason. Don't you know, don't. Don't uh, aid the hysteria or the panic or anything like that. Um, 
but yeah, I think as far as other than that, it's probably low cost solutions are the best thing going like wholesaling options and things like that. Um, building cash reserves is sort of a long-term play. And when you have it, these types of situations, it's much easier to weather them, much easier to find opportunities after them. Much or less in them. stressful. Much less stressful, yes. Um, but it's it's difficult to build cash reserves in this. It's just uh, you have to look at more uh, low cost uh, low cost opportunities, and there aren't as many of them. Yeah, they're going to be a little bit more challenging this time, but that doesn't mean they're not there. Uh, and so, I, I would say, again, if you have pri- if you have private lenders. Get on the phone with them. See who's who's interested, who's uh, who's not, who's you know who needs some uh, being talked off the ledge, uh, and and look into more of some of those transactional deals. Yeah, no, I mean I think it's uh, it really comes down to just pivoting with the market. You know, maybe you were a flipper and you're flush with cash, and it makes sense for you to pick up some cash flowing assets right now. Maybe you're a buy and hold investor and you have a few vacants that it makes sense for you to sell to boost your reserves. Um, you know, maybe you are wholesaling and you've got some decent liquidity from it. And, you know, maybe it makes sense for you to take down a property or two right now and go through kind of the burr process. Obviously, I'd be I'd be very conservative in your numbers. Um, you know, we're, we're currently still using like quote unquote, the 75% rule minus repairs, minus holding costs, but we'll adjust as the market adjusts. Um, when I, when I started 65% was the equation you used three weeks ago, we had people that, you know, you'd offer them 75% of ARV and they'd be like, Oh, I know what I have. Guess what? Those people are calling us back right now. (laughs) Like, Hey, I think I was wrong. (laughs) Right. So Let's uh let's kind of hop into what we're doing a little bit differently to protect, you know, kind of the people we serve, um, staff and tenants. So I'll kind of start just on the acquisition side with what we're doing. Um, we are calling anybody who books an appointment with us, chatting with them before that appointment. Uh, we had a lady yesterday that was like coughing and hacking and she, yeah, I think I'm kind of under the weather. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and not run this appointment. Um, you know, we are using things like uh, DocuSign or Write Signature to sign contracts to get uh, um, things like leases done. We're fortunate that we have a notary on staff, so we're not even attending closings. Um, we're just emailing in our docs. Same thing with uh, our rental properties. We use a service called Show Mojo, so people can go tour them themselves without a leasing agent there. So I think some of those things are advantages we almost stumbled into a little bit. If you're not using ShowMojo right now, it may be difficult to start using it. Well, for us, though, I will just say, um, you know, we're in the midst of our rent up for our campus stuff for the fall, and that's all showing of occupied properties. So we're taking a pause for a minute here, because especially since um, the University of Oregon was one of the early colleges to suspend classes and put everyone on online classes and basically end the term early. And so our students, you know, they're whose properties would be showing, they're not real keen on us getting into their properties right now. So we're, um, (laughs) but everybody else that is in the campus rental market is in the same boat as us. So we're all just going to have to hit pause for a little bit. But we're still getting properties rented. People, we, we have good videos. We have good photos. We can talk a lot to it. And people are still out there 
looking for it. So we're still getting some things rented, maybe sight unseen, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, we're trying, um, you know, we're trying to limit the amount of, of uh, traffic we have into the office just to protect our staff. But kind of non-essential business as usual, like you can make phone calls to reach us directly. You can reach us via email and we're being in constant communication so they don't feel like we abandoned them. Um, we're just, you know, everybody's just limiting their contact, which is what we're doing in a time like this. And it's the smart thing to do. I mean, we've implemented some policies here, like our leasing agents don't go into the property, like no handshakes, don't go into the property, the person let them walk through it. Uh, and then we go, it uh, goes in after just make sure that everything, all the lights are off and things like that. With maintenance technicians, we got a mask that might be hard to get at this time and gloves, but we, uh, if you, they're hard to find, but if you have them, give them out. If you have maintenance technicians, uh, implement, you know, again, no handshakes told residents that they need, they cannot be in the same room as them. Uh, when they're there, we're non, non-essential items. We're kind of putting to the back burner. There aren't that many of those, but there are some that are like, okay, this is something that can be saved for a couple months from now. We're going to hold off on that, uh, office staff that can work from home. We've, we've, we've done that to keep, particularly to keep the number of people at the office low. Now you might not have an office, but if you do, um, you know, you might have like, uh, your accountant might be able to work like our property management software does the accounting. So they can work from home. Uh, some of our, uh, some of our other staff can either work from home on part of it. And so we have one person coming in the morning and then leaving and working from home in the afternoon. The other person coming, another person coming in the afternoon, working from home in the morning. Uh, so things like that you can do again, uh, show mojo is good. If you don't, uh, Rently also has options. I'm not sure how hard it would be to get one of those boxes right now. Um, and then just, of course, just the basic, you know, so those are all things that if you have a property management company, you can try to implement to try to keep less people in crowded areas, less contact with others, more social distancing, uh, but still continue to get work done because, I mean, we do need to continue to maintain properties and show them and get things leased and, you know, not everything come to a complete shutdown. Well, I would say it's kind of like what we talked about in a previous episode with communing with communicating with your private lenders, like your tenants want to know that you're still open. Uh, you know, people that are needing to move right now, they like, they want to be in a house. Like they're not, they're not wanting to be like in flux, right? Lease, they got a a non-renewal. Yeah. Hey, it's time to go. Um, so, you know, I think it's really just kind of using wisdom, right? Um, you know, like we're not letting them lick doorknobs or, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. Well, I think we, just to back up and look at the bigger picture for a minute, realize that if this herd herd immunity thing is correct of what they're talking about. Many of us are going to get the coronavirus. Um, maybe as many as 40% of the population. Maybe some so, of us already had it this yeah, year. Yeah, very possibly. So really, this is a, I think it's a very temporary thing to say, let's slow it down. Flatten the curve is the kind of uh, buzzword of the day. So we don't overwhelm our medical facilities and medical workers with huge numbers coming into the hospital. So that's what we're trying to do. We can't avoid getting this thing. So I think this is not the black plague that all hands on deck to avoid getting it, but we ought to be conscious of if there's anybody who's feeling under the weather, staying away from older people is I think the key at this point. And even oh, yeah. if anyone's under the weather, don't come to work. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But but even even though we're still going to many of us are going to get it, maybe four out of 10, maybe five out of 10 of us are going to get it. So that's a huge. I mean, we, we don't numbers. know. I mean, we, it's just 
We These don't know, but directions, this yeah. is like the cold at some level. I mean, the cold is a coronus. The common cold is a, a shape just like the coronavirus. It is a cold. Uh, it's just uh, more contagious than uh, um, what we're used to. In the, so we're none of us are medical experts here for sure. But uh, I I just think we had to be the the key of the day is to be careful with older f- po- folks in our population. Have they tried essential oils? <laughs> so I, I really think the 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 full on kind of wrap of this is you need to keep an eye on what's going on in the market. You need to make the best decisions you can on the data that you have, but your business is still gonna run. It may not be full steam ahead. You may be in, you know, first or second gear instead of sixth, but like People are still going to need to live somewhere. Um, People are going to need maintenance requests handled. People are still going to need to sell properties. And I think it's really just looking for those opportunities and connecting those bridges is, you know, as a real estate investor, that's how you're going to make a profit, stay afloat, potentially even grow out of this. Um, So you know, I'm, I would say cautiously optimistic. Uh, we're, we're being cautious and respectful of our staff. You know, my answering service, we're letting everybody work from home. That's a joke because all my people already work from home, <laughs> but you know, it's, we're really just assessing on a weekly basis, making the best decisions we can make and still trying to accomplish our mission, which is serving people in their housing needs. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Good Stewards podcast. I'm sure you liked what you heard. So you're going to go subscribe over at thegoodstewards.com. For more info or to connect with us or shoot over any questions or topics you'd like to discuss, you can do that over at the website. We're signing off for now, but we'll talk to you all next week. Mm